Welcome to Get Up In The Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Morgan Harris with special guest fiddler George Jackson. We recorded this at my home in Portland, Oregon at the end of our recent tour as Tall Poppy String Band. Real quick before we get started, you got one more week to sign up for my four-part online banjo workshop series on learning tunes on the fly. Also, if you weren't able to catch one of my past workshops but you're interested, I'm now offering my archival videos and tablature at a discount. You can find all that at camerondewitt.com store. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with this week's guests. But first, here's my interview and jam with Morgan Harris and George Jackson. Enjoy. Morgan Harris, welcome back to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks for having me. And George Jackson, our special guest accompanying fiddler for this guitar. <laughs> George Jackson, the third. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ken. Yeah. So, I have been hyping you up for so long as my favorite old-time guitar melody player that I have neglected 
to hype you up as also my favorite old-time guitar backup player. How dare you? Yeah, I know, and that's on me, and I'm just going to take some time to listen <laughs> and reevaluate. Be, be, be with your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we made Tall Poppy String Band our debut album, uh, we'd always were playing melodies the entire time, and then there would come a, a time, usually towards the end of our arrangements, where we would just write old time, and you would totally like let loose all of your bass runs. And uh, yeah, and then I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She's got, she's got bass runs. She's got ideas about how to phrase melodies. And yeah, how, how do you think about this tune? What did we just play? That was Roaring River, uh, recorded by the elusive Montesano Crowder. Montesano. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone out there knows of any other recordings by Montesano Crowder, I would love to. Uh, I would love to hear them. Um, not sure. Not sure he's playing guitar on this one, but uh, yeah, a lot of lot of funky decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think often when I hear people do this, they just really lay into the major two chord. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I was listening to the, the source with y'all just before this, there's a, it, there's definitely a lot of major two, but there's often a major two implied quickly going to a five and then to a one. There's a lot more going on than just like totally blasting an A major chord in this tune. And thanks for getting me hip to that. Like, how do you, hear the guitar player for this tune playing it and how do you choose to yeah, interpret this tune? I um I really like playing with that with that idea with that moment. Like, you know, sometimes you know sometimes I'll play it with a you know with uh, just a big like two five turnaround. Yeah. And then a little delayed resolution up to the up to the G. Um, but then other times I really like to just kind of, you know, you can, you can really, as you say, you just can really imply it. With yeah. just the bass run, which kind of is so associated with the five chord that it kind of feels like a five there. Right. Or you can just, right. you know, really, really just go, um, go wild with it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a kind of moment that I, I really like playing with and kind of doing differently as I go through the tune, um, depending on, you know, what kind of sound I want. And I, I was noticing while you're playing, I've been trying to have more old-time guitarists on big bluegrass G, uh, four-finger G, has been like having uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of defenders and hot takes, <laughs> like pro big bluegrass G in old time. I'm noticing, for the most part, I think you're just using three finger G, mm -hmm. is there a particular reason that you're doing that for this tune or would you in other tunes um, go to four finger G? I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's that important. Um, it's very important. Everyone's talking <laughs> about it. The hottest discourse right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, I vary, I vary things depending on like what voicing I want, you know, whether, I, but yeah, I do, I do tend to default to the, to the three finger G. Um, just because I, I like that sound. Um, uh, if there are, if, you know, 
I mean, one place where the bluegrass G comes really in handy, especially the one where you, um, you do, you're not playing a note on the fifth string, is, uh, and you're just muting that string, is just as a neutral, as a neutral G. So you're muting the, the A string. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and a lot of bluegrasses yeah. will do that as well. Sometimes yeah. that would even be considered the two-finger G. Oh. Because it's literally just like the like bar with the... Uh, with the oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> 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 Thumb over the top. Um, so uh, that's that's really helpful if you want yeah. a neutral, neutral G, if you're playing like a G modal tune that is kind of very... Um, you know that 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 kind of wants the ambiguity to be left open. Yeah. Um, that's that's probably the the time I most I most use use that shape. Um, so I, I ask in part uh, because I know that a long time ago you were not an old time musician. Your main expression with the of uh, you know traditional American music on the acoustic guitar was playing bluegrass music. And mm -hmm. then somewhere along the line, you started playing old time tunes. And when, when did you start specifically trying to figure out how old time backup guitar works? And what changes did you have to make for the way that you would back up tunes before? You know, so much of my focus, um... So much of my like intentional focus on my journey into old time music was uh, so much of that was kind of like my my attention was on the melody playing because it's so much more of a fraught right. thing um, that I don't know that I ever thought that much about playing old old time music um, playing old time backup guitar it just kind of happened from going to jams and yeah. and just kind of um and you know that that's that's something that might might potentially be uh might might not necessarily lead to the most traditional <laughs> like Maybe. style i just kind of kind of adapted what what worked for me and it's only it's only in retrospect that i've like started digging into you know um, uh, specific players and, and specific like styles and being like, oh, okay. Like I'm, you know, kind of doing that, uh, retroactively, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think just, I went to, a, I went to a, a lot of jams and just kind of picked up what, what I could. Yeah. And I also imagine that like, I think you've listened to more source recordings than like most old time musicians that I know. And you're specifically going to it to like listen to the fiddler, I think more often than not. But I would imagine that you've also uh, unintentionally, <laughs> at least, absorbed a lot of old time guitar uh, ideas and sensibilities because mm -hmm. so many of those recordings have guitar backup in them. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, I think I think coming to coming to something like bass runs, I think I had a very um, structure a very structured approach to them at first where I I kind of 
and, and I think that's just partially how my, my brain works. I wanted to have like a, a kind of uh, a, a structure to the madness and have like a kind of um, plan of like, okay, this is, this is more or less the kind of the way of getting to a chord and and then there are these variations on doing that, but it basically it's it's going to be this this kind of scalar thing, and and it was only later that I that I kind of like you know with listening to more source recordings, was kind of exposed to the the dazzling variety of of um, weird bass run ideas that yeah. are that are out there that don't necessarily didn't necessarily fit into my my kind of um, expectations of of what a bass run was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was noticing also when we were listening to to this source recording, uh, how there are a lot of bass notes that weren't necessarily part of runs, but part of like, I guess what would normally be considered the line, but there's no perceivable line. It would just be like do da do da do, and like well, the, yeah, in the in the source recording, there's a part where where um, the guitar player keeps playing. like the kind of thing where maybe with your like earlier structured approach you wouldn't have necessarily elected to do that mm -hmm. and purpose. I still I still have trouble like 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 <laughs> like getting out of my getting right. out of my like yeah. very very like um, uh, this is the way melody you know this is the way a melody should be structured right. kind of assumptions about like smooth motion and and, sure. and the way leaps happen and yeah. yeah yeah i really uh the more old time guitar that i listen to like the more i really appreciate how much of it is about color and timbre as opposed to um like leading you down a path to mm -hmm. the next chord and uh and then i think i first started really thinking about it you know when uh I mean, from old time music shitposting, because there is there, <laughs> especially early on in that group, uh, there were so many Riley Riley Puckett memes that people were making, and specifically like highlighting his most unhinged <laughs> <laughs> bass runs, where it just like it's not really a run two, it's like a run away from the tune, and then it's, it ends on like the most troubling notes, and I'm just like. That makes no sense. I love it. Uh, <laughs> maybe I need to let go of some of my like sensibilities about like how to punctuate a tune and what the guitar's role is. I mean, also sometimes you need to be like, "Hey, Riley, stop." <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, we don't have any skillet liquors tunes that we're gonna do, do we? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to play next? Um. Why don't we do Polly put the kettle on? Okay, great. I'll I'll tune down for this. Are you are you doing Marcus Martin's? Mm -hmm. This will be a, a good chord discussion.
<laughs> a lot of choices to make. So everyone plays this this melody so differently, mm -hmm. uh, especially in terms of when they're going to play it minor or major or somewhere in between, with the like the thirds and the sevenths. How do you navigate that when you're interpreting this tune? And I guess you could answer that through saying, "What what did you just do now?" And why? <laughs> yeah, uh, I find the the hardest the hardest part the part with the most kind of like loose thirds um is usually the it's usually that the low part the a part loose thirds like <laughs> or a or a kind of a, a loose approach to thirds yeah. um and so usually a, like a i tend to default to that uh that 
bluegrass power chord G. Yeah. Um, with the muted A string. With the muted A string, yeah. just so that I can basically stay out of the way of the of the of the fiddle. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know that's a chip. I, I I really I tend to not like arranging too many chords into that section as well. I feel like it it uh, you know in, for me it feels it really feels like it it just needs a lot of space. Yeah, it seemed um, like mostly you were playing different bass notes and then just keeping these uh, your your ring and pinky on those two notes. Yeah, sort of this. Um, yeah, that's that's an approach that I, I really like for that tune. Just kind of um, you get a sense of motion, but you don't really have to make too many kind of big harmonic choices. That that kind of um, uh, you know that could get in the way of, of what the melody is doing. Um, and then in that B part, um, I really I really like going to that five chord. Uh, yeah, where do you yeah. um, That kind of emerged by accident because I was like playing the melody and uh, and I wanted a chord change, but the only note I had available was. Yeah. So it kind of came from my yeah. melody playing, where like. I just like that was the that was kind of what what felt natural, and I was like, "Oh, I like that." Oh, I love that. Uh, I really, I, I had it drilled into me. I think from like a really early stages in my like music education, that like I'm I'm never supposed to just like play something because it's like physically convenient or because it lays under the fingers. That I'm only supposed to play what I hear. And over and over again, I feel like in, in old time music, I see people making physical decisions as opposed, as opposed to like premeditated, like aural decisions. And sometimes those make for some of the coolest sounds because it's like using a different part of your brain. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think like just like physically speaking, like so many tunes are, are, are the way they are because of the way that the fingers physically lay on the fiddle. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I love most about, about a lot of that stuff. The way I've been like trying to teach, teach that in my like lessons lately is saying like, is this a, is this part of the tune, like a singing part of the tune or a dancing part of the tune? Cause like sometimes it's like, oh, this is like a song that has been fiddleified. And then sometimes it's like the fingers are dancing and it doesn't really matter what the sounds are. Uh, yeah. I love that you made a decision based on <laughs> your, uh, trying to figure out how to play the melody. Because yeah, I mean, I, I played the melody in that way and then I, I just got attached to it. And so yeah. that's kind of how I hear the tune now. Yeah, other people play that tune differently. Um, have you ever played this with someone else and then just made totally different decisions? And, and how do you uh, make those decisions? I mean, uh, yeah, a lot depends on, a lot depends on like what the, which way, if any, they're 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 trending in terms of the, you know, the kind of the big like color notes in the tune. Yeah. Whether you play or you know, or something in yeah. between, um, and then you know, even if you're using, 
there's a choice. There's a kind of a choice there as to whether you you play a, a G major and get that really kind of um, uh, crunchy, bluesy kind of sound, or whether you go for a more kind of introspective. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask. A lot of the language you've been using is staying out of the way of the fiddle, and I'm I'm wondering. Are, yeah. That answers my question. Are, are there times when you intentionally uh, get in the way for, <laughs> <laughs> harmonically or like assert the guitar in a way that is clanging on purpose? Um, maybe sometimes, but you know, it, it depends on whether I think there's, you know, value to be had there. Sure. You know, whether it's, there's like, there's a choice that I think um, might be welcomed and and you know that the people I'm playing with might be might be open to, yeah, totally. Mm. I mean, I know with that first tune, Warring River, there's lots of times when folks have uh, there there have been times when when folks have started playing that without the two chord in there, and, and you know, I'll maybe gently test it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be like, have you thought of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite thing with that chord is like when for some reason people haven't heard that source and don't know about that chord and then someone will play it and they're like, oh, a little modern version. And it's <laughs> like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> what should we play next? Yeah. Should we do uh, Rats Gone to Rest? Okay. Yeah. Do you know that right. tune? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Last time starting on which which part of yeah, but I liked that how was, we ended that. that. Was my mistake. <laughs> but yeah, that was fine. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Kill. I want to ask you about time. Mm -hmm. How do you conceive of time in old time music and the guitar's role? We've been playing at a variety of tempos so far, variety of feels, especially that 
Polly put the kettle on. There's this sort of like lilt to it. How, how do you approach marking time on guitar? Good question. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I mean, in, in terms of feel, like one thing that I think, I get a little tired at the uh, boom versus chuck volume debate. Mm. Uh, just because, and you know, you know, there's, there's, there's... Sounds like a Supreme Court president. <laughs> boom versus Chuck. As was decided in the case of Boom versus Chuck. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, I, I, I get the point of people who, who, like, you know, are maybe sick of going to a jam where a guitar player is, is going... <laughs> you know, um, but but uh, you know, I think that's that's a really good expressive tool for a backup guitarist to be yeah. able to adjust those relative um, volumes. Yeah. Um, depending on on the feel, um, I think one thing that can help with the with the lilt in something like Polly put the kettle on is like having is um, you know having that having that really strong one emphasis. sort of like um kind of letting the letting the space in between those those um those strong beats be kind of a little more negotiable a little, yeah yeah um would you say that that is um where, where would you say that lies on the uh, on the spectrum of pro boom yeah <laughs> reggae to mash <laughs> <laughs> I reject the question. <laughs> um, uh, and you know, but there are also sometimes where where you know, the yeah the the feel can really can really suit uh, a strong backbeat, um, and that's also something that can change within a within a tune, just to kind of to um, you know allow you some room to kind of develop the feel of the tune as you go along and to kind of give some contrast between different different iterations of the tune is like um, yeah I think that's just that's just kind of a really powerful tool that you have to express yourself and um, it's not necessarily a question of like where do you as a player fall on the on that spectrum yeah uh, you so like boom chuck fluidity. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I approve. <laughs> I'm into it. I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So a question that I have neglected to ask in these like guitar episodes, mm -hmm. I'm always focusing on the relationship between the fiddle and the, t and, and the guitar. I keep forgetting that you're probably making a lot of conscious and unconscious subconscious decisions based on what the banjo player is doing mm -hmm. and I have no idea what those might be can you speak to that at all how do you change your guitar playing based on the band you're playing I mean I guess one one obvious thing that comes to mind is is you know different banjo players and different tunes the way banjo players play different tunes will will vary on the on how backbeaty they are um, on like how uh, 
how strong the dit of the, the bum or dit, yeah. 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 <laughs> In the case of bum versus dit. <laughs> um, so just you know, just to tie it into the the, the thing we were talking yeah. about just now is like that can also affect like you know what what parts of the of the of the boom chuck you're kind of bringing out as well. You know, if if you've got a banjo player with a really strong um, backbeat, then that sort of um, that's a role that's being filled right. know, that you don't need to necessarily kind of do anything to. And then if you if you were to add even even a modest amount of kind of chuck emphasis, um, you know, it might overpower yeah. things and kind of put things to, uh, to, f to make things too backbeaty. Um, on the other hand, if, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, uh, a banjo player is playing kind of sparsely, that maybe leaves a bit more, t a bit more room for different, you know, different kind of strummy Getting kinds a little of things. Bit of up in there, yeah. Which I feel like I don't really hear most of the time in like revival playing. Yeah, which is funny because like that's something that, you know, obviously it can, you know, it can be over, you know, it like anything can be overdone, but um, you know, it's something that I hear and I like in in a lot of in at least a number of like source recordings. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, any off the top of your head that you can recall that specifically have up in the guitar? Um, well, I was just listening to a uh, Carter Brothers and Son recording um, that uh, that was def definitely had some. Uh, Had some yeah. had some sort of quick, um, you know, and it has to, you know, it's it's um, boom chaka, yeah, exactly, and and it's you know it's a, it's something that's kind of hard to hear in the in the source recording because it's because you know the because of the recording quality, but if you at least in you know this this was one that you know I was listening really closely to and I could definitely tell that it was there, yeah. um, which was sort of made possible by the fact that there it was just uh, two fiddles and guitar right if there's a banjo there it's really hard to hear right. a lot of what's going on with the um, with the chuck because they're filling in specifically those like frequ those frequencies oh, as well frequency, yeah mm. folks like mother Maybell Carter as well like you know there's all kinds of different styles of uh, rhythm of like rhythm guitar playing from that from that era that don't necessarily fit the strict uh, all downstrokes philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I was noticing in that example that you were just giving. I feel like you were putting the up in like the second slot of the beat, maybe as opposed to like when when you when you do up, do you always go like boom chaka or do you ever go boom a chuck? You know what I mean? Oh. um... That's a, that's a that's a vibe as well. Like it's one that like I feel like I I don't find myself doing that as often, but yeah. not for any particular decision, but just like um, maybe something that I should I should try and put more of. And one thing one thing that um, that where the upstroke really comes in handy a lot of the time is to break up um, 
to break up bass runs as well. Like, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll do an upstroke, you know, like. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, just to, uh, you know, it kind of, it kind of launches you into the, the bass run in a way that's kind of, can be really exciting. Yeah. So given that I'm not really an old time guitarist, I just occasionally do it for fun. There might be just questions that I don't necessarily, uh, that I, I can't necessarily articulate. Is there anything that you want to say that I might not be a good enough guitarist to <laughs> even ask or to think about? <laughs> no, no, you got this. Okay. <laughs> I'm, can you just do my job for me? It's been a long way. <laughs> um, are there attitudes like when people are getting into like old time guitar there are assumptions that people have that you think uh could benefit from some nuance or just deconstruction of those assumptions like right off the bat yeah i mean i can't tell you the amount of times i've been in a in in jams and you know like people pe people do get really fixated on like what quote unquote, the chords are, the chords are. to a tune um, in a way that, you know, if it was based on, if, if that attitude was based on what's in the source recording, I could understand it a little bit more, yeah. um, even though I still don't think that's, that's, you know, settles, you know, what the chords are, the author is dead and all that. Um, Right, so I could understand it if if um, you know if it was kind of a devotion to to the source, but oftentimes you know even though I still wouldn't necessarily kind of agree with that wholeheartedly as a kind of as being what dictates what the chords are. Yeah. But still, um, oftentimes it kind of it comes from a sense of like what this idea that the kind of melody there's a certain way in which the melody and the chords should sort of fit together. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really it's really easy to get into that into that mindset where you're just like, oh, this is this isn't like fancy, uh, this isn't jazz, this is this is like folk music, and you know, so we don't we don't do any of that like uh, those like weird chord extent extensions or anything, but um, yeah, it's all over the it's all over the source material. Yeah, um, like in that last tune, the <clears throat> using the like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. There, yeah, there's tons of stuff that go on. And, and actually, like, just to kind of, like, further the chord discussion, uh, something that I found really interesting when I found this piece of information out, and I think it really speaks to the nature of melodies and harmonies, um, is that uh, in copyright law, a melody is copyrightable. But a chord progression is not. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, and that's because um, a melody is sort of an identifiable thing, but but there's no definite chord progression that um, that goes with that melody because you can harmonize it in any number of ways. Um, 
depending on how you want to voice uh, the melody. And, um, and there's so many melodies that have the same sort of, or can fit beneath the same uh, chordal structure that if, if a chord structure like the blues was copyrightable, uh, that would be a disaster. Right. You know what I mean? So um, that's a really interesting thing to, th and, and, that, and when, when people sort of say, what are the chords? What are the, the chords to this tune? Like as if it's kind of a, um, uh, a obvious or, or um, immutable fact of, of the melody. Um, sometimes a melody very strongly dictates what's going to sound the best, but there's always more ways to voice chords around a melody. I love how we've been like teasing out this, this joke about like, uh, like Supreme court decisions. And then we actually made it into <laughs> actual legality, right, legal right, right, ontology right, yes, yeah. of melodies versus chords. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Some of the, I think some of the most inspired chord choices are just flat out at complete odds with, you know, what's happening in the melody. Um, there's that tune snake winder. Uh, mm -hmm. You want to play a little bit of that? Right. So. Like, like, where does that where does that come from? Like in the in the A part, it makes a certain kind of sense. It's it's a the melody is an E. The melody is an e. e, and you're playing an E major. Yeah. Uh, but you know that's a fairly common thing in the in the in the tradition. Right. Play, uh, but when it goes to the A note. so wild but i find it i find whenever that chord comes up i find it exhilarating it's just like it's so, so cool it's so yeah. uh it's interesting to to sort of know whether like the register of it like you know if if you were to think mm -hmm. about it in in terms of like a um how a jazz musician might or you know like build a chord like certain notes uh will absolutely work when they're in a higher register but when in a lower register um it's a little more tricky. Totally, um, play, it, play and, the play the melody in 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 like an octave down. Right, exactly. So in this case, because it's way up on the E string, and so that's kind of. I mean, it, it's it's gnarly, but it's um, <laughs> but it's almost like you've got an E major and then like a sus yeah. four like way up, which you know even that in jazz is pretty would be pretty weird like you know because you you tend to sort of add like maybe a sharp um a sharp 11 or whatever like to a certain chord to make yeah. it sound but um but yeah like uh yeah i mean 
like really, really different, really different. Yeah, it's a, it's a little more gnarly, perhaps, just put in that register, just because it's like then it's really in the in the um, in the zone of the same notes where the chord's happening. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. Register matters. It's mm -hmm. um, uh, that's another thing that's it's really easy to kind of if you're just thinking of like the fiddle hits this note, what guitar chords, what chords have that note in it? You're also missing out on on that information, right? Um, about like, well, where does it sit? Yeah, I uh, I've never heard that uh, that source recording before. Um, I've never heard how it's, that tune is traditionally recorded. That is, well, it was it was recorded in the seventies. I don't know how traditional well, it was sure. then. Well, uh, it's an exhilar exhilarating. Is yeah, <laughs> there's something. I feel like I, you know, what's that health trend where you're supposed to like like jump into cold water every day. Mm -hmm. It was like that. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Well, the, 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 <laughs> the, e ma the E major chord there is already kind of, is already very, ex is a, an exciting yeah. color. Yeah. And the fact that it sort of amplifies into that next, into the, into the high part, um, is just a really interesting move. <laughs> and I think it, I think it gets some of its legitimacy as well from the fact that you already are used to hearing that chord uh -huh. in the, in the lower part. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, repetition is, it's kind of like, you know, when they say, um, if you make a mistake, uh, just play it again, and everyone will think, you know, not that that was a mistake, but um, but the, it's the same principle of like, you do something once, uh, that gives, adds legitimacy to, if you're repeating it, you know, like, yeah. then it's like, yeah, of course, because that already happened. Um, I was also going to say about this that um, I think that there's a certain um, uh, glory in, um, and I I got to be careful about the way that I say this because um, because it, it's really about like the legitimacy of like Western music or it, music education, um, sort of instructing that that um, there are certain rules to follow and what can and can't be done. Um, and then to say, you know, like I don't, I don't want to say that someone was informed um, or uninformed, sorry, um, in making that decision. Right. Uh, but it certainly didn't come from surely the same decision-making process that someone would make if they were given the kinds of information about music that we've all been given um, and, um, you know, like having learned through music education systems and, um, and I think had we been in that same position hearing that tune for the first time or having written that tune, uh, we probably wouldn't have harmonized it like that, right? So, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I love that it's like actually using your ear as opposed to like, not that there's ever in music like, like some sort of pre-discursive like truth or whatever, you know, but like, if you don't have this top-down mm. idea of like what should sound good, mm. you're able to mm. listen differently and like have other ideas mm -hmm. before you edit them out preemptively mm -hmm. and it goes back to the the point i was making about bass runs as well it's just like 
really expanding my expanding my palette as to yeah. what things are possible like over a static chord you know rather than you know being open to <laughs> like there is yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of possibilities out there so before we before we jump into our fourth tune, because after that we'll talk about where people go to get your music and study with you and all that stuff, um, and, and as well as as for you, George, because um, we have some up, updates since the last time you were on the show of things to promote, I believe. Before we do that, who are all time source recording uh, guitarists that people should? go check out, to listen to the guitar playing specifically. Hmm. To expand your one's assumptions of what uh, legitimate old-time backup is. Yeah, um, I already mentioned um, Carter Brothers and Son. Yeah, yeah. I always, I love the guitar playing uh, in in those records. Uh, I, th I think Jimmy Carter is the name okay. of the guitar player. He's the and son of Carter Brothers and Son. Um, Most people know him for his presidential work. <laughs> um, Jimmy Carter's still alive. <laughs> Which one has, are you talking about? Has anyone ever asked him about it? <laughs> President. Okay. Um, I always find that that uh, that's just one one kind of set of recordings where I always find the guitar playing really surprising and really um, really inventive um, and sometimes you know sometimes it's playing the the bass notes are playing this kind of like uh, are basically playing the melody but in a slightly different kind of kind of way and then sometimes they're kind of off doing their own their own thing it's just a really uh, it's always it always like surprises me yeah um, and then speaking of Buddy Thomas um, and chord choices, um, Leona Stam, who recorded with with Buddy in the in the seventies, uh, whose guitar playing is on the um, the Kitty Puss record, um, some really really inspired um, like chord choices uh, on that record. Hmm. I found cool. Well, what should we what should we play for our next tune? Like Apple Blossom. Yeah.
Where do people go to follow up with your guitar playing, your uh, your music, mm -hmm. to study with you, all that stuff? You can find all my information on uh, morganharrisguitar.com or uh, come follow me on Instagram at, at morganharrisguitar. Uh, you can find information about reaching out to me for lessons. I do uh, both in-person and online lessons. Uh, Specializing in old-time guitar, both backup and my particular <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> melodic thing that I do. Lots of stuff in the pipeline at the moment. So uh, yeah, if you if you follow me and keep an eye on my uh, on my social media, you'll be sure to hear, hear all about that. I've heard some exciting little little. There's been some teases throughout this tour mm -hmm. about some stuff that's coming. <laughs> That's all I'll say <laughs> because it's your thing to announce. Uh, George, since you were on the show last time, you released your local trio album. It's so good. I love it so much. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's so gorgeous and creative. Uh, and the specific blend of banjo, fiddle, and bass is so exciting. And all of the production. And obviously, Frank and Eli's playing is so great. So, do you have anything else you want to say about that after I just gushed about it? Oh, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Well, no, just that, yeah, I, I put out this new album um, a few months ago now, and um, it definitely is uh, on the more kind of experimental edge of, uh, of the intersection of old time and bluegrass and kind of... Um, ideas about that and um you know uh trying to work on some 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 concept ideas that i had so yeah that's fun i'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it yeah yeah i particularly enjoyed the dog noises in it oh yeah there's dog <laughs> noises good. there's uh there's samples of, of source material yeah. Um, yeah the raleigh and spencer it's my new favorite version of that's how I think it should be played. <laughs> yeah, Raleigh and Spencer, the, uh, the uh, Tommy Gerald tune, I just played the, the bowing rhythms. I wanted to explore what um, what old-time music was if you took away uh, melody and you took away harmony and you just left rhythm. And I think it, you know, because that's a big part of, of what's going on in old-time music. So... Um, so if you have questions about that, um, or if you have that question, uh, you can consult my uh, <laughs> my recording of Raleigh and Spencer. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you think. <laughs> uh, and, and my personal favorite from that is definitely the, the Ferris wheel. Oh, like The thanks. George going into pop music <laughs> like, as old-time string band arrangement. That's so great. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks, you two, for doing this at the end of, of, I mean, we've been working really hard <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. to, ask, to, to come and sit down and try to articulate ideas and, or to even want to hang out all together at this point is really lovely. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate it. That is not lost on me. It's actually really enjoyable to sit down and just play some tunes that we don't normally play. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's yeah. a real treat actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What should we do for our final tune? Uh, let's do John Salyer's Trouble on My Mind. Oh, good, yes.
Visit Morgan Harris's website to buy her music and contact her for lessons, and follow her on Instagram at Morgan Harris Guitar for some hot old-time guitar picking, and news about her upcoming shows and projects. George Jackson is on Instagram too, at George Fiddle, and you can buy his newest album with his local trio and the rest of his discography at georgejacksonmusic.com. And finally, you should check out Morgan and George's old-time trio, Tall Poppy String Band. I think they're pretty great. Instagram, website, etc. All that's linked in the show notes for this episode. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's also linked in the show notes, along with links to sign up for banjo lessons with me, uh, pitchforkbanjo.com, my clawhammer instructional video series, and cameronduit.com slash store, where you can sign up for my upcoming banjo workshop series and purchase archived workshops. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.